Hello darlings, before we get started today, um, I just wanted to give a quick content note for some of the poems on this episode. Um, Our guest's second poem at the end of their interview touches on themes of self-harm, so if you want to skip it, that lasts approximately two minutes from when Laurie explains that we've changed the format to have our poets read a second poem at the end of the interview. Um, And then our poem of the month right at the end of the show is about hospitalisation and eating disorders, as well as discussion of the kind of suicide prevention measures that are taken there. I'll repeat this warning before it comes on so you can tune out then if that's something you need to do. Take care of yourself, darlings. Welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Laurie Eaves. And I'm Hannah Hutzpah. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration and above all awesome poetry from the spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month we'll be interviewing Catherine O'Driscoll. That's me! <laughs> and we have a poem of the month from Pfizer. And we'll be giving you a sneak preview of our book review episode where we'll be chatting about Surge by Jay Bernard and that will be out later this month. But first, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? So, what have I been up to? I hosted my first in-person gig in two years. Um, it was Insight. Thank you. Um, it was Insight, which I host, which is has been a monthly online. It's an LGBTQ plus night, and it is run by a anti-hate crime charity specifically operating in two London boroughs. It's run by Forum Plus operating in Camden and Islington. But since it's been online, it has Mm -hmm. become huge and international. And so while we were really, really excited about running an in-person one, also we're at this kind of weird... uh, like if you've got sort of one foot on one ledge, one foot on the other, and they seem to be like moving <laughs> further away apart from each other. We're in this kind of slightly weird bind <laughs> of obviously wanting to keep making it accessible to um, all the incredible acts who we've been having who either can't are in London but can't physically get to an in-person night or just are much further away. Um, and so I was so <laughs> nervous in the run-up Um because I wasn't sure if we'd be back to having sort of five people in a room, like which mm. before I before I took over hosting like sometime and it used to be on a Monday night, so yeah I was like oh god are we going to go back to this very different scene? So I've I've been running it for over two years and I've made a few changes like we now always have a feature act. We now have an email list to push it out. We're on a different night because Monday's crap. It's online. It's like, but yeah, in person, going back to in person was quite nerve wracking in that capacity. Um, it was absolutely lovely. Mm. It went really well. Um, it happened on, it was on a Saturday afternoon. It was okay. on Wednesday evening uh, because it was part of the broader uh, LGBT History Month program of events that Forum Plus are putting on. So we caught, sort of caught a wave with that um and also i reckoned a weekend would be a good tester so what we're doing at the moment is kind of testing the waters for if in person works <laughs> and we've had things like simon mackerel came up <laughs> from sense. like he's now based in brighton or hove i forget which um like brighton yeah yeah came up specifically 
for it which i don't think we would get on a wednesday night um but yeah it worked mm. really well it, it it was lovely to also just see like oh I didn't know how tall you were <laughs> like some of the regulars uh, got <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we've got depth perception now right <laughs> or you can hear reports yeah, Tina home has been the real surprise to me of in person events she is much taller than she looks on <laughs> <laughs> she also wears those jumpsuits that make her look even taller than she they already are, is they are excellent jumpsuits like <laughs> yeah she's definitely up there with um. Oh, Julian Anderson in sex education in like my jumpsuit goals. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, Hannah. But yeah, so we had we had a couple of last minute pullouts, which due to like COVID and or the storm, um, right. messing up transport, which I kind of anticipated. <laughs> I feel like now that in person events at this point, you kind of need to have multiple acts and kind of half assume that some people will drop out. Um, but we had. Yeah. Mm, uh, Simon Madrill, uh, Lee Campbell, Barney Ashton Bullock, who's an Insight regular, but I had not seen him do like a full-on musical thing, like turned up with a backing track and is incredible. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, just some incredible stuff. He does a lot of musical work. He like has a project with Soft. Andy Bell from Erasure. Yeah. You know, a little respect yep. from the eighties and stuff yep. like that. Like he's a big old music guy yeah yeah so i'd only ever i'd sort of heard a lot of references but i hadn't seen like he does incredible stuff and he has this very radio 4 documentary baritone kind of a voice (laughs) often doing absolute gutter filth poetry and it's an incredible mix (laughs) Uh, but then that with like backing track and like theatrical yeah um yeah, so it was incredible. With as as a host, it's it's a weird jumping off point. We're thinking probably we're going to do try to do like one of those a quarter, but keep it a kind of special event and then keep online for the majority. But I was surprised at the moment I started promoting it. Mm. I had a bunch of people, some regulars saying who aren't can't make it in person ones going, is this always going to be in person now? Shoot, am I losing this? And a bunch of people I'd never mm. met who had never attended any night being like, um, what about those of us who can't make a physical event? And it was like, well, I haven't seen you in two years, but also <laughs> I, I was surprised how... Vi- you haven't how- been turning up to the online ones. Right. Yeah. I, was, I was surprised, how, and it might have been the first time that this had come to their attention at all, but I was surprised how personally I took <laughs> a little bit. I was like, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, that yeah. went off wonderfully it was at the apple tree pop-up which is a queer pub in london which i thoroughly recommend it is lovely it Mm. is nice Mm. and also being able to chat to people afterwards was gorgeous i missed it and i did a an apples and snakes uh work from home lunchtime session thing oh yeah they look good by laurie bulger which was really good um it I can't remember what the title was of it, um, but a lot. One one of the exercises was literally just Laurie plays a piece of music and then is like, and write anything that turns up in your mind, not poetry or just. Your pen is on the page, but it can be scribbles. It can be yeah. some words. If you suddenly remember that, oh shoot, I need to get milk. You can go right. Need to get milk in the side. Feel free. And then like at one point, she paused it and was like. And now there's going to be a really great solo and just mess up your page. Um, so, yeah, just the kind of... Yeah, I came up with a couple of things from it that I would maybe like to go back to, but also just That's cool. losing the perfectionism, just get the fuck on with it. 
which is one thing I really miss about workshops mm-hmm. um, and really, really enjoy about workshops. Yeah. It's just like, go now, right here. Um, yeah, that's been me. What about you guys? Uh, well, I went up to Verve Poetry Festival, as I've been banging on about yeah. for months. And it was fucking awesome. Uh, so I went to see Jasmine Gardosi's show, uh, Dancing to Music You Hate, which is so good. Like, mm-hmm. so so fucking good so she's got a band with her and they kind of they do they do sort of you know they integrate the music and the poetry but she also had like an open mic on before and a couple of featured acts beforehand and the band just improved too mm-hmm. i think the band had seen the featured acts before but they hadn't seen the open mic so people were just like oh this is kind of what i want this kind of vibe yeah yeah and there were some that really really worked mm-hmm. um yeah it just it was like such a such a good show um yeah it, and and just yeah jasmine is one of those performers that just you know just grabs your attention from the moment mm-hmm. she comes on stage and just holds it and you are there for every single glance and breath and yeah it was absolutely fantastic um so that was great uh i did a workshop with her as well which was fantastic mm-hmm. um i did a workshop with joe bell which was really really good mm-hmm. um uh, did you tell her you were a super fan I, 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 I didn't know I was a bit <laughs> I'm not very impressive when I meet people that I admire. Oh. It's, it's, it's a bit pathetic. Also, uh, what frankly, I'm going to tag so. them when, <laughs> when this comes out. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Chaos Gremlin. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm a huge admirer of Joe Val. Uh, but yes, uh, no, and the workshop was, was really, really good, really useful. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so just yeah headline shows were really good uh that's what we said was fantastic um and then i always see this poet read out some stuff from her forthcoming collection uh so <laughs> who was that who was it? it was catherine o'driscoll reading from oh, right. oh and i've heard really good things like, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> the fo- for our listeners <laughs> the fourth voice on this podcast in time on a dead darling's tradition <laughs> Yeah, our we guest, have the mystery voice. <laughs> yeah, our guest, our guest is in fact already here, and is Catherine yeah. O'Driscoll. And Hello. Yeah, me, I was so excited about this collection. Like it was just and and just yeah, you reading from it was so good. And I think I think what I realised is it's really easy to forget how fucking talented your friends are. Mm-hmm. Um, not that True. I underestimate any of you, and like I would say, oh yeah, no, they're brilliant. Their poetry's great about all of you. But then suddenly you see your friends performing, you go, oh fuck yes, you are so good. Aren't you? <laughs> oh shit, Excellent. yeah. Uh, and it was it was one of those moments. Um, yeah, so oh. excited about this book. Let's talk about it. <laughs> nice. um, but yes, no, it's uh, yeah. Verve was just it was just it, it was it was the whooping. I missed whooping, <laughs> yeah. whooping people, and just having my brain stretched and just yeah, meeting random poets and saying hi and yeah, um, writing a poem in the bathroom because you're just like oh, it's in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind of poem start there. <laughs> yes. I have to go to a private place. I need to poem and no one can speak to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was just, it was wonderful. I um, I spent so much money on books. I am now, <laughs> now very broke because I bought too many poetry books. Um, so that was great. Um, so yeah, Laurie, you were not at Verve. I was not at Verve. I booked tickets and a hotel oh. and trains. Oh. And then on the Friday when I was going to go up, I... I, booked the, I only booked it about two days before, kind of spur of the moment. I was like, yeah. actually, I can go. This sounds great. I, I want to go, obviously, but like, 
it sort of worked out the stars were all aligned and then Eunice reared her head and unaligned everything and blew blew the the stars exactly so I watched School of Rock sitting on the sofa (laughs) with Jack Black instead and it was quite good hearing him recite his songs but it wasn't quite being at a poetry festival for <laughs> two, uh, two days I would have gone oh, I did gosh. get a refund on everything which was good um, oh, I managed good. to get yeah um, like massive shout out to the people who organised Verve for organising refunds and also giving the live link to watch some of the stuff oh, I really yeah. appreciated that so um, yeah. I haven't watched all of it yet I managed to catch um Nina Mingya Powell's Powell's? Oh I'm, yes. I miss saying it, I think. Apologies. The author of Magnolia, everybody knows who that is. I read it months ago. It was really nice to hear hear some of the poems live. Um but even in the live stream, so that was really cool. Um but yeah, I didn't go to that. Um sadly. Um I have been doing a little something that I haven't done in a while called writing, which Ooh. is nice. Um or more specifically, going back over stuff I have already written over the last like three years plus like ever since the pandemic and sort of quote unquote massive quote unquote finishing it and sending it to some journals so that's exciting because I've never really I've not really done much of that in the past I'm not very good at secretly I'm not very good at knowing anything about magazines and journals (laughs) in that world but to kind of put myself under some pressure. I've just been like, right, finish this, get it off. Yeah. And I've been using the Joe Bell method from How to Be a Poet. And uh, yeah, let's see where that gets us. I don't know yet where that's going to get us. So it's cool. And as part of that, also just reading like magazines and journals. I've read um, Under the Radar, which is Nine Arches one, mm-hmm. the latest one, and Lighthouse, who are based in Norwich. And that was really cool. Um, and I mentioned in the last episode, I've been reading another Nine Arches book called The Craft, which is... Mm-hmm like um all about writing much like how to be a poet was i finished it now it's really good um it, as i said last last episode it starts with a load of like his form which <laughs> is not bad but it's like okay it's a shock mm-hmm. that's it yeah, yeah that's a mm-hmm. slog. you're going in strong with like let's talk about sustainers now let's talk about sonnets for mm-hmm. a chapter straight to the let's quantum t- physics of it all yeah <laughs> and like and and nice yeah it, it's all great but I, I just kind of, I wish it had been structured ever so slightly differently and a bit more, isn't poetry great <laughs> to start <laughs> and then move into like that? But it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed reading it on the whole. It was great. So oh, cool. I really recommend that. Catherine, what have, yeah. you been, what have you been up to this month? I <laughs> just dossing about. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I launched my book. Uh, we had the, book, the launch on the 8th. Um, but then it wasn't like published technically until the 17th. Mm-hmm. So people got to see it a bit early. Uh, and then, it, yeah, it got published on the 17th. And a couple of days later, I was at Verve Poetry Festival and got to read from it. And I uh, stood in the bookshop going, oh, it's so shiny <laughs> for about half an hour. Back, you uh, kept that gold foil reveal back. Yeah. Oh, I did. It was so hard. Uh, <laughs> I, I intentionally didn't tell anyone about the gold foil. And I, I intentionally didn't tell anyone I was getting a quote on the back from Shane Coyzan because I was like, <laughs> this is nice. exciting yeah. stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was hoping that people would pick it up and go, oh, my God, what? Um, and it was really funny. At the launch, Sam Grudgings picked up my book and went, oh, my God, it's 
you got a quote from Shane Coy's hand? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> this worked Gosh. exactly as I designed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was nice. nice. That was fun. <laughs> so yeah, this month, this month has just been getting excited about the book for me. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Well, on that note, shall we move into the next section and do an interview? Heck yeah. Let's do an interview. This month's interview is with Catherine O'Driscoll. Catherine O'Driscoll is a spoken word poet, writer and activist from Bath, England. She talks openly about disabilities, mental health, LGBTQIA plus issues and joys and gender politics in her wide range of poems. She's the current UK Slam champion and World Slam finalist. Ooh. I believe that is still true. Yep. Technically, it's going to it's going to be removed from her her grasp <laughs> very shortly, but currently still true. Pride. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think the sixth of March, the new one gets crowned. Damn, we've got to get this episode out quick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, aside from performing poetry across the southwest, she has performed at the Edinburgh Fringe at multiple UK national competitions on BBC Radio Bristol and was featured on the BAFTA award-winning Sky Arts spoken word TV show Life in Rhymes. She has a first-class degree in creative writing from Bath Spa University and her debut collection Cliff Notes was released by Verve Poetry Press on 17th of February 2022. Catherine, yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank Hi. you for joining us. Thank you for allowing me in and not, you know, make, keeping me in a cage in the corner of the room. That was really kind. That's how we used to do it when we recorded in person. Oh, yeah. uh, we don't do that anymore. So basically, my spare room looks like the library from Buffy the Vampire. <laughs> Whatever yeah, Tyrone with, and Jamia tell you, that's not true. We didn't. We didn't used to do that. <laughs> I do, I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> anyway, so, it's nice to be here. Yeah, we were wondering, Catherine, if you could kick us off with a poem. I can. I've got some. Um, I decided I'd do one of my three favourites from the collection uh, and I figured I'd pick the one that kind of touched on the most themes from the rest of the collection if that makes sense Um, it's suitably called The Pit, The Core and it is kind of the core of the book Cutting cherries open with a hunting knife Peeling back the skin, exposing the tooth inside, slicing a canal to the core, spiking the pit and pulling it through the splayed flesh and putting that tiny stone into a hot mouth. Doesn't despair taste like kidney stones? Doesn't depression crunch like bruised fruit? Doesn't blood well in the mouth like an apology, but you spit the stone into the wilderness and it is not a pearl, is it? It is not beauty coagulating around grit. It is not trauma becoming a masterpiece, becoming a palatable coffee table art book, becoming a housewarming gift. The stone is a promise. You think this is bad. So much more is to come. And you Hmm. spit, and you spit, and you spit, and you wake up in the night with the juice slipping down from lip to ear, sticky as regret, slinking like the truth from the shadows, and your mattress is studded with necrotic stars contracting after light, back to dark pits you keep finding everywhere you try to walk. You know the truth. You throw the cherries away, burn them to cinder, swear off fruit forever, but one day you wake suddenly and you find yourself a forest of rotting food. And of course you try to throw yourself away. Of course you do. Thank you. (laughs) Usually we do a big whoop and holler at the end of a poem, but this just kind of needs to sit for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that kind of a poem. 
I genuinely the hairs have all gone up on the back of my neck. Like, <laughs> Yay! Like, so what we'd like to start off by asking our guests is how did you first get into poetry uh (laughs) the usual way i went to a catholic school (laughs) (laughs) and they made you write prayers every week and then the best prayer from each class was performed at the weekly mass uh, and I became addicted to the attention. Wow. <laughs> that's the normal route. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly, everybody does it that way. And then when I was about seven years old, my mum sat me down with Stevie Smith's Not Waving But Drowning and went, what do you think that's about? <laughs> Which is not appropriate. If you do not know this poem, it's not appropriate for seven-year-olds. Seven. Um, but unfortunately, I grasped what it was about right away. And she went, ah, yes, a poet's life for you. Um, <laughs> that's just how it's been Off you go, child. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, that's it, really. Like, my family like, kind of love different a- aspects of literature. My mum's always been into plays and poetry. My dad writes novels and pantomimes and all sorts of, like, play scripts. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of went oh no one's doing poetry yet in the family (laughs) this one's for me there's a niche for it (laughs) but also that i guess writing exists as something one can do with one's life just very much from the get-go yeah Yeah. it was very much in my family that like instead of taking them like a finger painting i'd be like i wrote this poem about the sunset and they'd be like that's very good have some (laughs) praise (laughs) great thanks um but i didn't know about spoken word till i was 27 Oh, wow. <laughs> Which was a bit later. <laughs> what, um, any spoken words whatsoever? I, I didn't, didn't realise speaking was a thing. <laughs> no, that's why I talk so much now. No, um, like, no, spoken word as a as a type of poetry. I learned about through the performance poetry module at Basketball University, run by uh-huh. Lucy English. And I went, ah, oh, I could never do that because I have acute social anxiety disorder. Uh-huh. So I will sign up for the module because, of course, you do. <laughs> Um, and then in the first session I wrote a poem in the second mm. session I read the poem and everyone cried and I was like great I need this <laughs> every day for the rest of my life please. first blood when you make someone cry like to, you're um, worth in tears yes now, like the, my, my closest friends know I'm an eldritch horror and I feed on tears so yeah spoken word <laughs> is just, just a way of accumulating them that's an exclusive you can, you can, uh, you can print that <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the ordinary roots to poetry. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's an alternate universe where I went to Bud Spa. I went and had the had the like little like open day and stuff, and, and looked around and we thought, "There's a lot of cows here." And then it didn't go there. <laughs> That's it's the funny story. Funny because the cows are a good a reason why a lot of people do go there. Because mm, I used yeah. to be involved in the students' union uh, on the board of trustees, uh, so I know that like the student percentage, it's like something like two thirds of the students at Bath Spa come from rural counties, and they go, yeah. "Oh, this isn't quite a city." I'll go here. And that that's how Bath feels. It's a non scary, not quite a city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas me and Hannah were like, we need the the uh we need the urban the metropolis of Norwich. City. Oh yeah, I need the <laughs> <bright laughs> <light. laughs> actual rabbits hopping around the campus at UBS. Rabbits are are so right. cute. Like, rabbits, as as every first year discovers oh. coming back from the pub, they move fucking fast. You can't catch one. But watching all the little tails flash away from you in the night. <laughs> Whereas those cows at Bath Spa. You can catch those. <laughs> I used to collect rocks. 
<laughs> just pick up rocks on the side of the street and someone would be walking the other way towards the student union and I'd be like, sir, would you like this rock? And they'd be like, yeah, of course. And no Kasha sure. would be like, why are you doing this? Uh, good times. <laughs> We're talking of unis. You're heavily involved in Uni-Slam. Um, the question we've got written down, I'm just going to say exactly as it is. Do you notice any patterns to the type of po- people or poets who do well in that setting? And how, if at all, has it impacted your own work? Why did you read it out like that? <laughs> I don't know. Probably because I've just learned I've got to do a bunch of interviews for work. And I'm like just getting practice of... How I would interview somebody who doesn't speak English as a first language on a bad phone connection. Oh, God. That's exactly the vibe we were going for with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it always has been. <laughs> um, Catherine, tell t- us about Uniswam and that. <laughs> I'll tackle it kind of in the two halves. Yes. I, I think that Uniswam definitely uh, has its own kind of aesthetic. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that mostly comes from whilst there's a huge diversity in what people are talking about and the kinds of people, a lot of them fall into that 18 to 21 year old undergrad window. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that you have a lot of people who are quite new to spoken word. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say all of them by any means. There are some absolute professionals that just rock up like this year Sven Steers is competing. And I'm like, God damn it, can you not? Because it will be against my team. Um, But it means that sometimes they, you can see their influences sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they might not have evolved past that first excitement of spoken word, which can Mm. be really exciting. But also if you know, if you're like, have a lot of references in your brain you're like ah, oh, yes i see what you've been listening to on mm. youtube mm. <laughs> yeah this is a poem um, about your unborn daughter okay yeah. this is this i is know where this poetry. is going yeah. yeah um but i do think that like most other slams in the uk like uni slams no exception that we've kind of evolved past the myth of social justice or trauma being the big scoring things mm. that that pattern i i haven't really seen or experienced personally um I think that even when the audiences are judges, I think that people understand the nuance of like, not only the control and skill a technique takes to use, but whether or not it's appropriate for that moment. Um, So I think that most slams can be won by any poem, (laughs) Mm. but I will say that comedy is not, isn't, doesn't come up very often. Usually you have one poet per year. Wow. Um, this year that'll be us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exclusive. Um, but yeah, it's, the comedy is quite rare, but you mm. will have like comedic touches in quite a lot of poems. Mm. Mm. I feel like pure com- comedy poems have to be so out there and yeah. so hilarious. No <laughs> and then there's nothing you can do about it. like like because I've been up against like oh here's a very sad poem about my grandmother's dementia, but yeah, but Sam J. Grudges is just in. yeah, <laughs> or Laurie has just done fucking beetroot, and everyone's so in love with this. I'm like yeah, I'm not I'm not winning that. I shit mean and that's fine. Yeah, you know? I had like, a yeah. similar problem that I started spoken word at the same time as Connor McLeod, who does mm-hmm. a poem about being in love with Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, and every time so I went up against him in the first round of nationals in 2017 18 I don't know um and I he knocked me out and I was like the the issue is is a feel-good poem leaves you feeling good uh so another poem that doesn't and give you a feel-good thing it has to work a lot harder to 
make yeah. them go, oh yeah, like that more. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how it feels from my sad perspective. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely... Uh, that's what I tell myself so I can sleep. <laughs> and yet, uh, as the reigning slam champion, you are clearly doing that, <laughs> doing damn well at that. Um, do you find yes. that's so weird every time? So from uni slam to general slam, are there what are the sort of similarities? What are the differences? How do you... I'm, I'm kind of relieved to hear that trauma doesn't necessarily trump all else in poetry. I think that every slam is different. So, like, the Farago Nationals, which has uh, judges who are asked to be there, it, you perform differently or you think about different skills to showcase in front of them than the audience slam of na- Hammer and Tongue Nationals. Although, mm. like I say, I, I found that even audience votes these days, they seem to be more savvy, more aware of mastery (laughs) Um, yeah I just I just think that every every slam even the same organization two months apart they're different depending on what the person before you and what the person after you does Mm. yeah Um, so I think they're all kind of similar in that way and whenever people are like oh well how do I slam best for this environment I think well pay attention to what the scores are being given to the other poets for a start Mm. And then decide if that fucking matters. Because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, you're there to show your poem. So, mm. like, the amount of times that I've done a poem that I know won't win, because I'm like, well, there's 200 people here and they'll hear this message yeah. that means a lot to me. Um, yeah, Slam's just a performance, but with a really strict time limit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And some people take it very, very seriously, and some people are just a, a less serious and. <laughs> And sometimes you want, I don't know, I, I always think that I love, what I love at a slam is seeing a poet do a poem that I'm like, yeah, you wanted to do that poem. You yeah. didn't care like whether it would win or not. You were like, that's the one I'm going to do. I don't care. Yeah. I like that more than seeing like, you know, play, playing the game as it were. Yeah. <laughs> well, like Connor McLeod in the end that year at Nationals got knocked out because he did a four and a half minute poem. <laughs> Oh wow, <laughs> which is way over. But had uh-huh. it been on time, he would have won that round. But every he got multiple bookings from it because everyone remembered it yeah. as being a really good, and b the balls to go a minute and a half over. Wow, yeah. So, I yeah. bet the promoters were pissed. You gotta know you're doing that at that point, right? Like I, I can see like a three minute twenty poem. Mm-hmm. You're just fucked up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, As the bell minutes. ringer at Genesis, I'm like, I, this is a nightmare. Like, <laughs> do you keep ringing it, or do you just let them go on that way? <laughs> Me, I, I let Joel blast them off with some, uh, with some Charlie XCX or something. <laughs> Thank you, that's enough. <laughs> um, and as for how it's affected my work, I, I tend to get really inspired because each year I get to go as mm. the coach of Bath Spa's team. Um, I think most years I've written a poem. Most notably was the first year of Unislam, where we we had the finals. Then we all went to Team Dublin's hotel room and got drunk, obviously. <laughs> and then I was walking back to our hotel room, and Kasha, who is now my fiance, called us to say that her mum had died. Mm. And I wrote a poem kind of immediately, <laughs> uh, which is one of my best poems, but it's five minutes long, so I can never do it anywhere. <laughs> um, mm. 
and it seems like every year a poem just pours out of me because you're just surrounded by like original imagery and different voices that you've never heard before and that's kind of the plus of UniSam is that whilst a lot of people are quite new there's loads of people who are new <laughs> so you're like yes I've never heard you before tell me everything that you ever wanted mm. to say I'm ready um yeah so that's the magic of it it's, it's I like you, I think if you go to the prelims and set the semi-finals and the finals you can hear 160 poems over the weekend over two days yeah. <laughs> so you leave with a headache yeah, but a happy headache mm. one of the challenging things i think about the last couple of years has just not been hearing enough live poetry mm. yeah. like it's made it harder to write for me anyway well absolutely i um earlier in my life i spent about seven and a half years unable to leave my house and i thought that that hadn't affected my writing at all because i was still writing about mental health and sharing it on deviantart um and then i did leave the house and suddenly i was writing five or six poems on the bus on the way home and mm. i was like ah my brain has not had any input mm. and now it yeah. now it has it it mm. can create new output but i didn't really notice it until it came back so hopefully that happens to you soon <laughs> you just wake up one day covered in poems <laughs> how did those get there a line of each of our poems not your own poems we want to be immortal is laurie living forever is that the yes yeah. yes what happens when you, when you go straight edge vegan you like you never die that's how it works <laughs> why do you think i do it <laughs> Because <laughs> you care about the cows. Oh, but, nah. like, sorry. I didn't go to Bath Spa, so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Rabbits only. Um, so you mentioned kind of, we were, just, we were sort of talking there about, about sort of trauma and, and trauma poetry and sad poetry. And, you know, kind of the poem you just performed for us was, was very much about like, this isn't going to be beautiful. This is, there are some harsh, difficult things that I have to talk about and that, that, that you know, I'm feeling and I want to communicate to you. And it is like your work is is beautiful, and but it's also raw and unflinching when it comes to describing topics such as suicidality and grief, and and sort of other kind of mental health problems. And how do you go about capturing these really difficult emotions on paper? And 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 is that is that difficult to do, or is it a healing process? Hmm. I would say it's it's not healing or difficult for me. Um, it just it's I've always written poetry because I've always written poetry it just is it's kind of like writing a shopping list you just do it because you you do it um I I I heard somebody at Verve and I can't think who it was now say um poetry isn't therapy therapy is therapy (laughs) um I think that for me my intrusive thoughts tell me that I am worthless so when I see other people reading my poems and getting something out of them um that that does something for me. That makes me feel like I have a purpose. But I know that that isn't actually healing me. That is a temporary fix and I have to stay in therapy. Um, and about how do I capture them? I, the, the book was kind of a struggle <laughs> in that, firstly, I started with like about 400 poems and then mm. Caroline Bird was like, right, you can have 60. And I was like, this is an outrage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But also quite a lot of poems over the years, I'd edited them to give them a hopeful tone at the end, because that's Mm. what I wanted my poetry to be. And in every single instance, we'd get to the editing process for that poem and Caroline would say, it's like these are two different poems. Mm. (laughs) 
and it would be cut and I'd be like but I f I'm worried that the book won't have any hope in it um, and I was really worried for a really long time I was like who would buy a book that isn't about hope in recovery that is just mm. about what it feels like to be in it mm. um, and Caroline said well the act of writing it is the hope it's in the it is in the book poems you have to just trust that and I was like seems sus and then <laughs> and then I thought to myself I'm not saying that I am in any way as good as Sylvia Plath but I thought if Sylvia Plath was alive no one would tell her to cheer the fuck up <laughs> so I thought I will release this book and I will hope that if I continue with therapy and work really hard that there will be another book in the future that says and then everything is okay at the end hmm. it just isn't okay at the end yet so that's how I kind of settled on writing about my current truth or the truth mm. for the past sort of 10 years because some of them are older mm. and then uh, I was in a poetry school workshop weekly workshop with Anthony Anaxagaru and he was um, I think judging the Ledbury slam no not slam competition mm. I think it was Ledbury and he said that he'd read tens of thousands of poems in a month and I was like wow that's a lot <laughs> um, and he said that you really notice that people fall back on the same ideas for the same subjects and what I took from that was like whenever I write about dementia I tend to think of fog and whenever I write about depression I think of things that are heavy and he said that if you're judging a competition you see those things over and over and over again and the poems become indistinguishable from each other mm. so that made me think okay so how how can I think about these things in a different way and sometimes I just thought what's the opposite of this <laughs> and then mm. tried to make it work and sometimes it worked and it stayed in the book and sometimes it didn't mm -hmm. that feels like an amazing writing prompt in and of mm. itself like, mm. think of the I thing that's yeah. like something and then argue why it's the opposite yeah I did that with the uni slam team last week <laughs> no the week before because we had verve um because I was like yeah this is great but I, I credited Anthony I was like yeah. this is this isn't me <laughs> this is a great idea from a genius <laughs> You didn't credit the tens of thousands of people who... No. <laughs> I don't know who they are. It's one long acknowledgement. Honestly, I entered 10,000 times. They were all the same poem. <laughs> they were all me, my dementia fog poem. I thought that my, my odds might be better if I did that. Turns out not, no. <laughs> and just yeah, it was me the... now. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> I love it. It's, like, it's kind of like a prize draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So you obviously perform in slams and this is where you sort of discovered the community but you started on the page. Can you tell us a bit about how those two, how page and stage relate for you and what the process was like adapting what I'm guessing were poems you'd mostly done on the stage for this collection on the page? It wasn't what I expected. I had a lot of poems, my spoken word poems, that were in the running because they... Hmm they often were the newer poems at the time when I started this process um, about those topics and I thought well that's the most accurate representation of how I felt um, and then they just kept getting cut um, and it, some, some of them it was for like practical reasons like you're like okay is this poem worth four pages mm. of potentially four other poems when Caroline says I can only have 60 <laughs> which by the way I think I've got 63 so anyway that's the <laughs> job um, so yeah a lot of them got cut f to start with because of that and then I kind of just followed the, the narrative of the book and it ended up mm. being 
more page than stage which made me really nervous to release it because people haven't heard as much of it Mm. but the poems that did retain in the book um i think only one of them is the way i perform it which is a letter to parliament uh, although we changed the title (laughs) all of the others were edited to be a page version um and one of them even got cut into two separate poems where Caroline went, this feels like two poems. And I was like, listen, it was four years ago. How do you know that? Witchcraft. <laughs> right, fine, it was, it was two poems. Um, witchcraft is craft. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was a lot harder than I had thought because mm. I tend to think of performance poetry and page poetry as very similar, except you've got different spatial techniques. So like mm-hmm. punctuation might be breath or mm. or mm-hmm. gestures, um, but they're they they're translatable. But mm. in the end, um, Caroline kind of helped me come to this realization that some of them needed me present to tell the story to be believable or to be a story that people would follow. And mm. on the page, that's not possible. So things had to be reordered mm. to make sense or to feel like they weren't hyperbole. Um, so yeah, it, a lot of them went under went under a lot of changes, but I'm planning on just performing them the way I always do, in person, mm. and people will just kind of be like, ah, this is the page version of that poem I heard, and I'm hoping mm. that that will be okay. <laughs> and were you conscious that there were lots of edits that you were doing over and over again in different poems, or, or you were like, yes. what happened to it? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Caroline said that I say seems to and uh, trying to a lot. She was like, I mean, it's your poetry world that you've created on this page. It it doesn't need to seem to be anything. You just tell them Mm. it is. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, And uh, my favourite critique from Caroline is that sometimes the poem would get a bit lost in a tangent. um, And she'd be like, it would be really helpful if this poem had a spine, (laughs) which was... Mm-hmm. unknowingly very harsh but very funny <laughs> good advice though yeah so tell us overall about about the book um you know what what are you hoping that it that, that readers will come away from it with you know what's the kind of the thrust of it for you um so i applied for arts council england funding the developing your creative practice fund um on the basis of writing my first collection on the page um because I'd just become the UK Slam champion and World Slam finalist and all that, and I was like, I should probably do something else now. <laughs> um, but I've I finished all these things. <laughs> I've, I've done these. I've won. I've won it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won spoken word. No, um, and uh, and uh, Stuart from Verve had approached me in July 2020, so I was like, okay, I, I've got to make a book now. What do I want the book to be? What do I want it to do? Um, And the application for Arts Council was to look at the interplay of intrusive thoughts and how that might affect your reading of a poem or your understanding of the world in the poet's mind that created that. Um, And that is a a big theme throughout the book. The intrusive thoughts are on some of the pages in very big text. (laughs) Um, Because I kind of thought, I'm not going to make a million pounds from my first poetry book. That's probably probably not going to happen. So what do I actually want it to do? And the answer I came to was I want people to know how it feels to be severely mentally ill, to have a personality disorder, to have a communication issue, 
because of that personality disorder to feel silenced and lost and oppressed by your government um yeah so that's i i decided to just focus on that and then let the chips fall where they may (laughs) (laughs) you find that gave you some kind of focus and clarity when you were editing the book and working with caroline on it yeah it really did i i had a similar issue when the pandemic started because i had only just started leaving the house again after a little like two years of being housebound and i thought to myself okay well can't go to spoken word gigs because frightened and my partner is shielding so that's not safe and i thought well the reason why i've been writing my whole life the reason why i used to put things on deviant art and share them was to make a difference and when i was putting things on deviant art however old however long ago that was <laughs> um people would send me messages like i used your poem to explain to my family how this feels and mm. that felt like mm. the most valuable thing i ever did so i was like what can i do from home i started my instagram and started sharing my poems there um which has gone pretty well <laughs> and um and then yeah then whilst writing the collection keeping that focus of there are so many people who've been through sexual abuse or suicidality or grief or mental illness or disability or neurodivergence, all these things that are in the book that are silenced by them, that if I can put a voice to them, it might help the world know more about what it feels like. Mm. Yeah, that classic, slightly wanky, trying to change the world with a book, but and also it's got gold foil. <laughs> that one's that's just for me <laughs> it's very beautiful the gold foil yeah very exciting no and it's like it's a gorgeous collection and i'm so excited about it and uh, Thank yeah you. so that's available on verve press right now yeah it sure is uh, yeah and we'll make sure there are links in the show notes to uh Catherine's, um big cartel um <laughs> So uh, before we wrap up, do you have a piece of writing advice or a prompt that you could want to share with our listeners? I should do. I went with a prompt this time because I Excellent. submitted nice. an advice like a year ago or something. I sent mm, you one you in a voice note. So I thought I'd do something different. Um, I am an asexual, demisexual, pansexual. Uh, and during <laughs> LGBTQIA plus history month, sometimes the A particularly gets a bit forgotten. Um, so I thought I would just tie it back to that. Um, even though this will come out probably in March, not February. It'll be like my last little vestige of of history. (laughs) Um, I found this prompt can be a really useful place for figuring out what you want to say. Uh, So I encourage everyone to start a free write based on the the sentence, sex education never taught me that. And then whatever follows... Even if that doesn't end up being a poem, it will probably be the thing that you most need to write a poem about. That's that's my contribution this month. <laughs> Damn. That's okay. amazing. Uh, brilliant. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Catherine. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Stop the presses, guys. We agreed to change the format slightly oh. and have our poets read another poem before they leave. <laughs> Heck yes. I mean, I will take any excuse <laughs> to read more poems. That's what we like. That's why we like performance poets. Yeah. Also, my publisher's like, yeah, it's good. More poems. I'm going to do one of my other favourites, which is called The Thing. Downstairs, in the wardrobe partially blocked by the wide hips of a rocking chair, 
I keep my body. Hmm. Occasionally, when the dust motes dance in great golden slashes through my living room, I visit it. Wrangle it out. The house holds its breath, a sheaf of flesh bent double over a coat hanger, I brace myself. Hold it between me and mirror, flatten with hands, don't think about Louisiana swamplands expanding, I double in size. I try to think of curves as catching points for embraces. This arm crook is where my fiancé's crown falls. I am a landscape of possibility, jabber the hut, slug skin dried and stretched, a yard of peach latex wibbling as it's cut. I pierce it. Another hole, needle-sized beneath the fingernails, behind the ears, under the droopy eyelids. I pierce it, here and here and here, and this is the same as losing weight, right? holding myself like an evidence bag. I pierce it, shove back to darkness, refuse to look at it again all winter. My mirror is all metaphor. I cover it with silk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This month's book is Surge by Jay Bernard, chosen by Laurie. Laurie, why did you choose this book? Why did I choose this book? I chose this book because I borrowed it a couple of years ago from Hannah Gordon, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really interesting, cool book um, that I wanted to read again. And the other day I was walking past the bookshop and thought, why the hell haven't I got that? So I bought it. Um, it's a collection um, that came out in 2019 um, and it's a collection based around um, the New Cross fire in um, sorry, the New Cross massacre uh, which is a fire um, that occurred in New Cross in the 80s um, which was um, believed to be a racist attack which was met by a lot of indifference um, and a lot of systemic um, kind of turning a blind eye at the time and it led to a lot of um, historic uh, events that carried on from there and um, when Jay Bernard wrote the book it, they had access to um, a lot of archival material that they um, brought into it it's, a, it's the kind of book where uh, I don't think Jay Bernard was around at the time that um, this happened no. so it's very much a they've done their research and this is a researched piece of work mm. um, almost like a documentary poetry if you like which I think is really yeah. interesting and well I think from, the, from what they were saying in the in the intro they kind of had started this research mm. and then the Grenfell fire happened yes and it just there were so many echoes and so many parallels that it kind exactly. of became this, this line that was drawn between the two exactly so the the book kind of threads from the New Cross um, fire through to Grenfell and through to uh, the Windrush deportations around the same time um, in the mid-2010s. Um, and I really thought it was a powerful piece of work when I first read it and I wanted to reread it again to kind of remind myself um, what worked well about it. And um, I think kind of always had one eye on wouldn't it be interesting to do a project like that where you're very much is very research heavy mm. um and 
I thought it would be an interesting one for us to talk about from that process point of view, but also just what the book, uh, how the book works and what it achieves. Yeah. And how did you find having reread it then for this? I thought it was, it's funny because a lot of the um, book has kind of, there are literally like songs in the book. There are poems mm. which are set out as songs and um, those, as soon as I started reading them again, the tune was, the tune just entered my head. You can hear the kind of um, reggae kind of dance or beat. That was a taster for our book club mini episode, which will be out later this month, wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for the notice board, where we spotlight 10 or so opportunities to look out for where you can perform your work or submit it for publication. And also just stuff we think is cool. Rebecca, what have you got for us? Uh, so what I've got, so first thing I've got is uh, an article I saw on Twitter recently, uh, which is uh, poet uh, Anya Koenig, who has had um, poems published by uh, Babetti and I think a few other places. Pamphlet and with Babetti, yeah. Yes, and I think she is a, a prize-winning poet as well. Mm-hmm. And she just she wrote this really interesting essay on the Rebecca Swift Foundation website, which is also a really interesting mm. uh, website in its own right. Um, and just talking about what it means to be a professional poet and therefore what it means to be an unprofessional poet so Ooh, to have a day job interesting. and wh- how that impacts on it and what it means to be a prize winning poet how people come to win awards yeah. how the gap between you know two poets if one poet wins an award that it kind of becomes self-fulfilling that they are the best poet and, and they get mm. more attention and prestige off the back of it and that becomes self-reinforcing mm-hmm. just a really interesting essay it's a great uh, so, yeah. essay yeah, it's on the Rebecca Swift Foundation website and I will tweet it out from the accounts uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's a really so yeah, cool just, essay. Yeah, just just worth a read. Um, and then uh, Red Sky Sessions, which I know we've talked about a lot on the podcast before because we did them and they're great. Uh, this is um, uh, Apples and Snakes kind of offering it to emerging poets. They're quite loose on the, the definition. So yeah, and it, it doesn't have the usual age boundary that that often implies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah get on it really good advice so they've been they've shifted from doing like the first lot was like um sort of zoom workshops and you kind of had to be there on time to watch now they've started just recording them so you can do them at leisure um and so that's going to be uh, running on wednesday evenings and it does seem like they still have space uh, for the april session so would advise getting on board with that because that's been really really good and uh if you just search for red sky sessions or uh, apples and snakes um yeah, appleandsnakes.org uh, forward slash opportunities forward slash red dash sky dash sessions um, is worth going to. Season three, baby. If you've done them previously, that doesn't mean that you can't do them again. I checked. Yes, there will be new and different workshops. And yes. So uh, and then also uh, if you're into uh, Catherine, our interviewee earlier, was talking about uh, grants that she's had from Arts, Ar- Arts Council England and, and Owen Craven Griffiths, who is involved uh, r- with running the Red Sky Sessions, is also doing a uh, developing your creative practice surgery. Ooh. So that's to apply for that Arts Council funding um, and um, yeah, basically just explaining how to do it. Um, run you through the form and do a kind of Q&A about the application and that's on Friday 4th of March at 12 noon to 1.30pm so um, online and uh, yeah I will uh, share the link again from our socials on that Excellent. Hannah what have you got for us? So um, the Bridport Poetry Prize which I'm very excited about because I've recently been to Bridport Woo! 
It's in Ooh. Dorset. I had a birthday down there smashing rocks with a hammer trying to find fossils and I only once smashed my finger instead. Um, uh, Bridport is a nice place in Dorset and they run a poetry festival and I well finally done. like linked the two things together uh, in my head. Um, and it's one of the most... So it's £10 to enter but it is also uh, a, a poetry prize with a five grand grand prize so i'm guessing it's more like the lottery in terms of just take your shot if you've got a tenner to gamble on it um but that is open till the 31st <laughs> of may 42 lines maximum and if you go to bridportprize.org.uk bridport is b-r-i-d and then port as in glug 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 um and <laughs> <laughs> wow what that took me a <laughs> is nice anyway um also um it's Port is in where the boats come in yeah that too but you know but anyway um it used to be my go-to festival drink because like you don't have to mix it but anyway sh- um i'm a ponce i'm moving on um the bbc has a national <laughs> short story award which is not poetry but it looks kind of fun um get out of here uh, <laughs> I reckon I reckon there's room for the church. broader broader church approach. Um and in previous years they've had things like they get a load of people to write the first half of a short story and then you have to finish it. Or yeah, um mm. if yeah, the grand prize is fifteen grand. Again, treat it more like the lottery. Um uh, but if you go to bbc.co.uk forward slash NSSA, as in National Short Story Award, um, and the deadline is the 21st of March. Um, and there's all kinds of resources and podcast episodes and stuff about it and about writing more broadly uh, that you can find there. Um, also, the Creative Futures Award, which is a kind of writing development uh, programme and competition, I think I might have mentioned this before but only because it looked excellent um deadline for submissions is the 22nd of May which is a while off and their theme is how it started I think they have a short story bit as well but if you're doing the poetry it's 50 lines max um and yeah the the when you if you win you get some degree of tutoring and support and mentorship which looks excellent and the only other thing I wanted to plug is Insight, what I run, which is sometimes online and sometimes in person, but with a Zoom link, we are hybrid. Um, uh, if you want to get the emails sent to your inbox when we have a gig, which involves being sent the link, and then you don't have to sign up for the thing, um, uh, let me know if you want to be on the email list. Uh, you can find more about Insight at Facebook forward slash Insight Poetry, Insight as in um, inciting a riot. Uh, and if you want to be on the email list uh, contact via Facebook or contact me I am Hannah Chutzpah on all of the platforms um, but yeah and we have always have open mic slots available for people who are queer in some capacity we some capacity let's rephrase that we always have uh, we, there's, there's always a booked headliner but also open mic slots uh straight allies are extremely welcome in the audience it is actually an act of allyship to turn up and hear some excellent things and if you are queer then also there are open mic slots available five minutes max and it's usually on zoom on a wednesday cheers laurie what have you got 
Poetry London are currently open for submissions. Um, you can submit up to six poems for that, and you don't need to be from London to submit, or living in London to submit. According to their website, they're a bit like the New Yorker in the, you know, just wherever really is kind of yeah. fine. Um, you can submit up to six poems to them, um, and you can find out more on their website, which is poetrylondon.co.uk. Um, all the usual submission stuff is on there. I think that's for their issue in May or possibly June, but they're taking submissions at the moment. We've got coming up relatively soon actually is um, finally, mm. if you missed Verve Poetry Festival because the storm blew it off the tracks for you, mm. uh, Lyra Poetry Festival is happening in Bristol in the end of March and the beginning of April. There's so much on that program that I'm not even going to go into it too much, but a few things are uh, 21st Century Sonnets with Terence Hayes, which should be pretty cool. Um, there's workshops with Disraeli. There's uh, workshops with, on poetry and translation with Bogdan Piergeski. There's just a whole lot going on. There's Tung Fu. They've got Linton Kwesi Johnson. They've got Jacqueline Safra. Mm. They've got Antosh Wojcik and Raymond Antrobus and Inua Elams and Roger McGough and Joel Taylor. And, oh boy, I said I wasn't going to go into any of that, but I've gone into it. <laughs> I think it was worth it. Oh, and Michael Rosen, and as well as a huge amount of other poetry <laughs> and events going on. So you can find out more about that at, at lyrafest.com. I had a slightly fun experience with uh, Bogdan Piacetsky at uh, Verve in that they had in the kind of the um, Birmingham Hippodrome where all the events were happening, they had like massive portraits of a bunch <laughs> of different poets. Yeah. And there was this great picture of Bogdan, like sort of, you know, he's got those sort of twinkly eyes smiling uh -huh. at you. And I sort of saw that, went, oh yeah, and then literally turned and oh, he no, was, was right there in front of me. Mm -hmm. But then, and I went to go, ah, and then realised he doesn't know me from Adam um, <laughs> because I've really only interacted with him on like Zoom things, like large zoom sessions where uh -huh. he couldn't see me it's uh -huh. a bit like expecting the tv newsreader to recognize you um and uh, yeah so it's all just a bit awkward and weird oh, and i'm awkward and weird but, but it was lovely uh he's very nice he yeah. is very nice he gave me a poem in a dream once that was good ah nice um <laughs> what little poem fairy in your dream yeah that's yeah. amazing There's one of the poems in my book i i dreamt that i was at an open mic and saw bogdan do that poem and then uh I woke up and realised that Bogdan hadn't done that poem. I did in my dream, so I just wrote it down. Wow. And, <laughs> and that was it. Does Bogdan know that? Have you no, told him? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. You've got to tell him. <laughs> no, oh, I don't think so. So, so he's kind so of good. godfathered it in my, wow. yeah. in my dream, um, which was good. This poem, Joey. That was funny. Yeah. Um, so that happened um, <laughs> ages ago, years ago. Years wow. ago that happened. Um, but it was nice. I got a poem out of it. Mm. Um, also, <laughs> the other thing I've got on my list is, um, not that we ever talk about other rival podcasts. I say uh, rival very loosely. Podcasts are a big market. Podcasts are a big market. There's, there's, they're an expanding audience. They yeah, are. There's these fine. little things that you listen to on headphones from your iPod. Um, there is another poetry podcast. There are plenty of other poetry podcasts, mm -hmm. but I've been listening to Luna Poetry Podcast um, a few times over the last month um, which uh, we had the Repeat Beat Poet on quite a while ago now on the show yeah. um, who currently hosts the, uh, the Lunar Poetry Podcast um, to my shame I'd never actually gone and listened to it I now have, it's great 
I, I know it's it's me who's who's lost out there, not anybody else. Yeah. I listened to a really great episode with Caroline Bird that I really recommend, um, and another one with uh, Mary Jean Chan, which was also fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely, if you've not been listening to those, like I hadn't been, you need to go back and catch up because they're great. I quite like it on long car journeys, particularly because of knowing PJ. I'm like, it just feels like my friends are chatting in the car while I'm driving. This is great. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, they go back to like, they're all all the ones with David Turner presenting are still mm. online, I think, and they're yeah. they're great too. Before we have our poem of the month to play us out, is there anything you want to plug, Catherine? Uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I will be headlining Hammer and Tongue Cambridge on the 4th of March, uh, which is a hybrid event. So you can go in person or you can attend digitally through the Zoom. Um, and, and there'll be spaces in the slam too. Ooh. Amazing. Um, and of course, Cliff Notes is available from the Poetry <laughs> Press. And oh, yeah. Catherine's Big Cartel. What's your Big Cartel address? Uh, poetry OD, as in O'Driscoll, uh, .bigcartel.com. Amazing. Laurie. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Laurie Use Poet or on Twitter at Mr. Leaves. That's M R L E A V E S. My book Biceps is out on Burning Eye Books or on Brick Red Cassette. Uh, from Buried Vinyl. You can pick up both versions from my website, which is laurieeves.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-E-A-V-E-S.com. And you can stream the audio version of that book wherever you stream audio. Hannah? I am Hannah Hutzpah on all of the platforms. Um, You can see where I'm gigging probably the most easily on Facebook, forward slash Hannah Hutzpah. And uh, I have books for sale at hannahutzpah.bigcartel.com. Um, but also dead darlings are worth plugging um, so we have a coffee page where if you want to give a a, a tip a coffee's worth of uh, of donation to help us keep uh, various hosting uh, and tech expenses going um, and that is if you go to coffee that's ko-fi.com forward slash dead darlings podcast and thank you and please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts (laughs) yes indeed Uh, you can find me on twitter as at rebecca k cooney my website is rebecca k cooney.wordpress.com i'm on instagram as at any name but becky and uh, facebook as rebecca cooney dash poet you can find the podcast on Twitter at Dead Darlings Pod, Facebook as Dead Darlings Podcast, and you can email us at deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and help us spread the word. Our poem of the month this month is by Pfizer. I saw her perform this at That's What We Said Open Mic at Ver Festival and was absolutely blown away by it. Just a quick content note, it is about hospitalisation and eating disorders, as well as some discussion of suicide prevention. If looking after yourself means you need to tune out when the Segway music comes on, then absolutely do that. And we will see you next month. Before we share Pfizer's poem with you, I just want to thank her for letting us share her work. Uh, to Catherine O'Driscoll for joining us. Thank you to my co-hosts, Laurie and Hannah, to Texas Radio for our theme music, and to you for listening. Bye! Bye! Bye. How to survive the hospital. First, be sure to remember, better out than in, always. On your first day in this new land, clothing with string 
will be banned. So try zippers. Laces in shoes will be unthreaded. So try slippers. On way day, wear plain knickers and or bra. Note, that's when they also check for scars. There will be people who weigh less than you. There will be people who weigh more than you. There will be girls. There will be boys. And there will be children. Most things you eat or drink will be accurately monitored, including hair, blades and soap. They will not accurately measure 40 sip. 40 sip is liquid food. If you stop eating, you will drink it. Be that by mouth or down your nose. Ensure you remember that there are many smells which you may encounter. This includes blood, meds and bad body odour. Constipation medication is surprisingly pungent and blood on the walls doesn't smell. At first. You go to the toilet accompanied. You take a shower accompanied. You eat and drink accompanied. You sleep accompanied. If you receive the privilege of doing these things without a staff member, remember the windows aren't built for escaping. But one day you will be able to escape with permission. And as much as it is always better to be out than in, you will miss it. Finally, when you get out and you're told to keep in contact, don't. <laughs>